Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast episode 371. This is your guide to the geek side, and I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, joined by Charlie Carden. He doesn't talk about weather anymore, Carden. I, I'm voguing for some reason. I have no idea why. Hey! That was voguing. Strike a pose. There's nothing there you go. to That's it. Better. Vogue. Do, That's better. It? This is this is not voguing. I don't know what this is. This is, a, this is yeah, <laughs> some kind of malfunction. You're all voguing for some <laughs> reason. Well, is it the, the bat to see? I'm good. I'm. It was funny. This is you know, as I'll talk about. We were in Chicago over the weekend from Mission Chicago. All of Monday and anybody else I talked to was like, oh, con let that. Which is it was such a bummer when you have to come back to reality after being you know in the circus. So I, it's okay. I, I feel better now because it's Thursday, but man, that was, that was a tough come down. And we have an unpacked. I'm in the room full of not only the stuff we bought, but all the stuff from Grand Rapids comic-con from the booth that our people ran. So my dining room looks like a goddamn flea market. It's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we are, that's me. We are, we are also joined by <laughs> our, uh, semi regular, regular, Miss Katie Quinn, how are you? I'm good. I actually also was in Chicago the last doing, weekend. Doing something fun? Um, yeah, I went to Expo Chicago, which is a giant art convention. Ooh. Like where all of the galleries, like international galleries, go and show off all of their artwork. So that was, was very that where fun. they sell all the hotel artwork? Like <laughs> No, this is this is the this is the highbrow artwork. Ooh. So, lots Ooh. Of big installations and how how high are your brows? My my my. <laughs> oh very oh. high. There were there were some mm. price tags that were very, very high. <laughs> Did you do this all the time? You go like this, hmm. Yeah. Oh yes, lots of lots of thinking, lots of I put on my Riker beard so I could stroke oh, it. Very thoughtful. You seem more thoughtful. Oh like like data snake bird. Notice yes. how I strike it thusly. Exactly. <laughs> I get that all the time. Well, you know, that prepares us for once again, highbrow art, and we're going to go on to that because we're going to talk about the cover this week because it's Thor 371, and it looks like Judge Dredd joining the Marvel Universe and is coming to, because peace is coming to town. I uh, love this it. Is, uh, uh, the missile chair. I love it. I want this, one. Is this a Thor comic or is this just a Doctor Who comic? Because that looks like a Dalek. Dalek? It's, 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 Dalek, it's like yeah. a, Dalek, a Dalek and Judge Dredd had a baby. Well, he's this got... Dude. He's got rocket. There's rockets coming out, and it's like it's also a stop sign because yeah. he's got like green, red, green, which I don't know. Yeah. I guess there's no Same, yield. like a red light, green light type of deal. Oh, there so, you go. Green means go, red means die. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with a missile. Uh, but apparently, peace comes to town. This gentleman looks like, like he said, it looks a mixture of he's riding a Dalek. They turn to a motorcycle, and he kind of looks like a weird Judge Dread. Knock off. Right. It says peace. Um, I would willing to believe without having to read this that at the end of it, Thor beats the shit out of this guy and he's never heard from again. Lay odds? Anyone? Anyone? Sound good? I, I would not take that bet. I'm going to be honest because <laughs> Smart. I don't like those odds. No, there, it's, no it's, I, uh, it's bad. I think the space cop thinks Thor committed a crime. He's going to try to bring him to justice. And it just ends up being a classic misunderstanding. Oh. They shake hands and they laugh and they walk oh. into the sunset. So it's like like an like the end of an episode of He Man. I get it. Exactly. Uh, high five, jumping in the air, 
Pause. Right. Last, <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, while that is a, a tremendous, full of tremendous possibilities, and we are going to talk about uh, some of our past covers uh, later on in the program, now I think it's the time, Todd, we've got to get on the, uh, the number three bus, get us down to the corner of Hollywood and Vine to catch up with our favorite news correspondent, the old, the faithful, Madam Webb, with her rumors and news. So let's go. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. We get back with Madam Webb as she also was in Chicago, but she was there for the Sausage Queen competition, guys. And guess what? She didn't win. But she did get a consolidation prize where she got a month's supply of broccoli browwurst. Brocklewurst? Uh, yes. Pat, I, uh, for our first story, I'm going to say we always we always try to kind of corny it up a little bit with these titles, but you absolutely nailed it. So, uh, <laughs> coming to an abandoned Kmart this fall. Uh, that's right, uh, Spirit Halloween store. Oh, I didn't even know they were going to call it Spirit Halloween store. So they're not even messing around. Uh, it's going to be uh, a, a film this holiday season with she's all that's Rachel Lee Cook, and you got it. Who else would you pair with Rachel Lee Cook but Back to the Future's Christopher Lloyd? Very busy this season, also in The Mandalorian Season 3. Um, but, yeah, is this movie going to be like that uh, that movie with uh, Jennifer Connelly from the 90s where she was trapped in the Target all night? Is this going to kind of be like that? I'm getting a vibe. What do you think? I think it's going to be more not. like Halloween Town. Oh, okay. Halloween Town. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, or it could be like that bad Adam Sandler. Hubie <laughs> Halloween. It could be like that. Oh, show. boy. Oh, yeah. Katie, you missed out on that. But Hubie Halloween was was hotly uh, debated on this show because Todd is an advocate of calling something dumb fun when he watches something moronic and needs an excuse oh, about yes. why it's okay. Uh, and I, 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 I – I can't condone Adam Sandler in any way, shape, or form. So <laughs> <laughs> I just can't. He I can't do it. He is the definition of dumb fun, Charlie. So he just fits in there. Uh, but you missed the you missed the key the key oh. casting, Charlie. Yeah, Marla, I was thinking Marla Gibbs is going to be in this. So there you go. Right, and and is it is that a different Jaden Smith? It's spelled differently, so that's not Will Smith's son. Just looking at something. I, maybe it is because you know his career's just taken off. Yeah, um, but uh, this is going to essentially be like a goosebumps where yeah something goes awry and uh, essentially uh, three friends, middle school friends of course, go out and uh, they're, they're, they've outgrown trick or treating. They end up spending the night uh, daring to be locked inside a spirit Halloween store on Halloween night. But apparently the store is really haunted. Oh, man, it's really haunted? Yeah. So I don't know what this is going to be rated. Um, I don't know if this is going to be just goofy kid-like fun, like Halloween Town, or if this is going to be like one of those really scary, weird slasher films. The new family kids adventure flick. Oh, I'm guessing it's a kids flick. That's why I was saying it's probably giving me more Halloween Town vibes. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, makes sense. Mr. Boogity, those type of films. Mr. Um, Boogity. Very yeah, good. Yeah, I, I can only imagine all of the props that will be seen were like, be, and you could buy this at a Halloween store now. Oh, yeah. yes. It does be blatant product placement. Um, love <laughs> this, yes. Go. This is going to be fantastic. Christopher Lloyd, man, uh, he, I'll, I will tell you this, he was awesome in Nobody. Get a chance to see that movie. He was awesome in it. Um, Nobody. So, I'd see him get jobs. He was in something else that we watched. April really wanted. It came out at the same time, 
as uh, we just watched it on on it's on Amazon Prime, and I'm drawing a total blank. But he played the elderly grandfather, like the old sage. He just is great in those roles because he's got a skullet now, and he kind of looks like Riff Raff from the Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show. It's perfect. Yeah, but the, the benefits of age. Oh, well, you know what's not benefiting with age is this next story about X body spray. Tell what's going on. <laughs> yeah, so this is fun. I love this title. So uh, there's going to be a big crossover coming to Marvel, and it involves Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals, and it's dubbed Act Day. And, you know, X body spray. I, I put a picture in there for y'all to look at it so you can kind of see what it's going to look like. So it's by Kieran Gillen, Valerie Shitty, which is a great name, Marte Garcia, um, and it's coming. Essentially got these three teams fighting against each other because essentially Eternals, you know, they're, they're fighting against the Deviants. Well, apparently they've deemed the mutants deviants, so that is the crux of this um, series, and essentially they attack um, Krakoa, which is essentially the home of the mutants now. So uh, the Avengers are probably going to be stuck in the middle of it, and this could be fairly entertaining. So I, I, I like a good crossover. That's probably what you're going to ask, and, and I'm sure uh, you know, Katie, you may ask the same thing. What does this mean? How many issues you're going to have to buy? How are you going to get in this? And, and so far, um, it's a three-way event featuring the Avengers, of course. Titans uh, are so far limited to X-Men titles. Interesting. So that's not bad considering it will probably be a core book and then just the X-Men will tie into it in regards to that. So you don't have to buy everything in three different sets of titles, but this could be interesting. Don't know if it'll have big events uh, out of it or big uh, repercussions coming out of it. We'll see. Well, I can simply say, uh, to quote, to, to paraphrase Mean Girls, stop trying to make Eternals happen. <laughs> just let them go away. No. No, forget you. Gillian's Internals is awesome. Oh, oh it's amazing. Okay. Oh, yeah, I love okay. it. Yeah, break it down. Yes. Break it down. So, give, it, yeah. give, give me, give me the Reader's Digest version. What's awesome about it? Um, well, it's Gillian. I mean, his writing is fantastic. It okay. is clever. It has a lot of heart to it. Um, it's not to, or well, I mean, I think you found out in like the first two pages. Uh, the narrator is the world, is the Earth. Yeah. Oh. Wow. And basically, they're trying to figure out why the Earth is sick. And Todd, why I did you have enjoy a... it? So I would like I was not interested in this at all until I looked over and saw Gillen's name on it, and I'm like, oh yes, please, absolutely, I will be what? picking this up. Todd, I'm what, a, what? I'm a stand for Gillen. What, That's all what I was say. what was that horrible Eternals thing that you like? We got to read something from the Eternals, and you pulled something out, and it was just like, eh. You know, we actually read the new Eternals book, Charlie. I remember we read that. We read Shang-Chi and something else. But they were all number one, so we only read the first issue. I can't remember our takeaway from that book, though. So I, I, I don't either. I, I feel I, I feel exposed to knowledge, and it's not a bad thing. I feel, <laughs> yes. I, I, I feel well exposed. I mean, so I had brought that to... up before when I was reading it, because okay. I was reading it oh. on here. Oh, whoops. <laughs> so yeah, you'll, have to, you'll have to that try that. Be a re- I was going to say, this recap, we'll come back and revisit that series. I'm assuming it's like 2021 series, 2022 series. Yeah, right. 2021, I think, is when it started. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we revisit. We probably have like six or seven issues uh, about ready to read for that, so that'd be good. Uh, but yeah. just to give you an idea of like how many comics are involved in this, so there's a free comic book day, uh, Comic Avengers X-Men number one in May, so you get that for free. Eve of Judgment coming in June, and then you've got Judgment Day 1 and 2 
uh, Death to Mutants number one, Immortal X Men, X Force, X Men, and X Men Red. So actually, it's only like eight issues total. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. That you know, if that's good, and I love the Avengers, love the X Men. If if it's something core, I just you know have struggled low these last few years with the the big crossover. But I suppose if you turn yourself over to it, if you, if you accept that the reading, you know, the writing could be quality, the characters are good, maybe there'd be some decent impact. That would be um, that would be something. So I, uh, I I heartily endorse your endorsement. <laughs> Engage. Engage. All right, what is next? So, Charlie, I put the spring here to pique your interest and maybe Katie's as well. Yellowstone versus Aliens. Uh, We've got a new series coming to Amazon Prime. It's called Outer Range, and it's a paranormal western. Essentially, Josh Brolin is starring in this, and it happens uh, in the, uh, call it the... It was the Rocky Mountain areas, you know, the Montanas, the you know the. Well, it uh, says it, it says it says a it says a Wyoming rancher, so I'm gonna pin go. it. To, I'm gonna pin it to Wyoming. Well, that's pretty based, good. So, based on that, so essentially, this this rancher Josh Rowan unfortunately has to deal with um, it's, a, it's a cowboy drama, a family drama, plus the supernatural with oh, a X Files vibe. Todd, it's your favorite. Uh, anybody remember Cowboys and Aliens from about ten years ago? I thought that movie was fine. Based I on mean, book. and it was based on a comic book. I guess I didn't realize that. So, uh, yeah, if you, um, Katie, if you haven't kept up, uh, Todd loves to lampoon April and I's enjoyment of the show Yellowstone. Which oh, stars, I know. Which stars <laughs> I know, but we even when we had a guest on a couple weeks ago who made mention of 1883, uh, Todd was just like over here, trying to trying trying to trying to bite his hand so he didn't say anything about it. So, well, Todd, if this can take all the things I love about Yellowstone and put a sit supernatural spin on it and actually get you to watch, I'm going to say at least one episode. Okay, excuse me, a maximum of one episode, <laughs> and then get your feedback, uh, your feedback about it. I am all for it. Thumbs up. Yeah, the cast doesn't sound bad. Lily Taylor's also in it. Uh, Imogene Boots, great name. Boots. Uh, and yes. also Will Patton is in this. Um, Katie, I mean, what do you think? I like the mixed genres. Um, I mean, I, I'd be down to watch at least the first episode. I mean, if this is going to give me like a Twin Peaks X-File vibe, I'd be definitely down for that. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as it's more suspense thriller than like horror thriller, yes, then that would be yeah. like where I where I draw the line because I like the mystery kind of parano- like paranormal unknown type of stuff. Um, it's just when it starts getting into the more gruesome stuff, where I'm like, ah, I gotta take a step back. Yeah, right. True dad. That no, that's cool. Um, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how many episodes this will be, but I like Jeff Rowland, so you know he's a strong actor. He wouldn't take a crappy uh, project, hopefully. And uh, I guess Brad Pitt also executive produces this. So oh, yeah. come for it. It's April. It is coming April fifteenth. So tomorrow. Oh, okay. Uh, basically, <laughs> what, when the, when this episode drops, so you got something to watch. You got something to watch okay. when you, you're done with us. So Todd, this next headline. 
really confused me because I thought it said R.I.P. Lago, like Mar Lago, but it's Iago, which is of course referring to oh, the yes. past, the passing of beloved, uh, funny voiced comedian Gilbert Godfrey. That happened just a few days back. Uh, but of course, yeah, his role was pivotal not only in creating uh, that animated character from Aladdin. Am I remembering correctly? I'm bad with Disney stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then also he uh, played and helped create the DC villain Knickknack. Was this in the? Was this was in, oh this was in the Superboy show uh, from the, from the late eighties with a Superman? I bet you couldn't even name the dude who played Superman in that unless it's in here because I have no clue. Guy Incognito. Guy Incognito, exactly. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was uh, that was right at the beginning of of his career because that was in you know when when was that show on eight you know 80, 88, 89, something like that, um, but. But it, but it says right here the, uh, the 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 kind of backfield story of the character uh, found its way into um, into the into the comics and it was kind of co-crafted by Gottfried. I had no I had not, I didn't know either one of these facts. So that is I, I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, he has been in a ton of things. I've always really thought Miller was hilarious. He actually looks young in this picture, which it's funny. You always think. You can't, sometimes people, it's hard to imagine what they would look young. So Gilbert Godfrey always looked old. You know, he looked like an old crotchety dude. So to see this here, he looked like halfway young. That's that's not bad. But I mean, yeah, he was. You know, the the um, what was it? He was also the the uh, duck, the athletic duck. A lot of people may know him best from that role. Um, but other than that, I mean, just a very good comic. Everybody knows him because of his voice. He was always in all of these, you know, the, the roasts and everything. And uh, there's a picture of him with um, uh, Bob Saget and Willie, uh, uh, Anderson. Not Willie Anderson. <laughs> oh, Louis Anderson. Uh, Anderson. So the... the- the three comics that, that have passed away Just in the last like, two months. Yeah, yeah. There's a picture of them in like in the beginning of 2020, so 2022. So, yeah, it's really sad. Um, I don't know. Does anybody have any good Gilbert Gottfried stories or memories? I I just he's I don't know I think uh, some of the more just anything is memorable about his voice like I think he did a lot of those was it Jeff Ross's like roasts on Comedy Central in the last ten years. He's just was I just he was a great insult comic at least in that vein you know, are kind of in that moment. So, but yeah, I, I'm trying to remember a movie I've seen him in. I, I, nothing, nothing, or a show, nothing is like really rocketing to memory, but, but all, you know, kind of like Bobcat Goldthwait, just a very, you know, kind of fun, you know, he, he had a shtick. I don't know that that was his real voice, but even if it was, he really ramped it up, but it was, but it was, it was always fun to hear. I always enjoyed it. I actually, I think the last time I heard anything that he was in specifically was um, Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is a podcast that's like oh. kind of a pseudo, like Im- they do like improv, but um, the whole idea is that a guy was sucked through a portal behind a Burger King, I think, into a magic realm, and he's getting a slight Wi-Fi signal through the portal from that Burger King, and so he makes a podcast by interviewing you know f- people from this magic realm, and they end <laughs> up, like, I think it's like, the second season they end up going to there's the dark Lord who's trying to take over the world. And there's a guy called the cockroach clown. Um, and he's always talked about off camera and you just ended up where you would hear Gilbert Godfrey. Just, I guess they just reached out to him randomly and just asked him to like, if you want to be involved. And so he just recorded lines for them and they just randomly spliced them in and like this background conversation. And I think one of the lines was like, you can't spell manslaughter without laughter. 
Ah! And, and it's true. And it's true. And it's true. So you would just hear him randomly saying that, which was both incredibly terrifying in Gilbert Gottfried's voice, but also absolutely hilarious. Oh my so, god! I mean, the entire, I yeah, the entire thing is very funny. It's got kind of like some slight D and D vibes to it, but without any of like the actual D and D aspects, just because it's fantasy. Um, so yeah, it's all just a bunch of like improv guys doing this stupid stuff. Oh my god, that's totally awesome! Yeah, I uh, one of my favorite things is there's a podcast called Good One, um, and it's all about where they bring on a comedian that created a joke or a skit or something like SNL. They'll have like the people that made it, and they talk about how did you come up with that, and they go through the the the, the different pieces of how a joke gets created, why it's popular. Um, really funny, um, and and they had one about the aristocrats and they had Gilbert Godfrey down for his specific take on the aristocrats. The aristocrats is a joke where every comedian had their own version of the aristocrats joke. It was actually made into a documentary and they highlighted Gilbert Godfrey's version of the aristocrats. And all I will say is only listen if you will not be easily offended by horribly graphic sexual things. I mean, this is like a joke that should be rated X. And it's all, the comedians all use that joke to disgust each other. It's almost like trying to, who can tell the grossest joke? And I think Gilbert Gottfried and Bob Saget might be the tops compared to like other comedians like, uh, you know, no, I, 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 Andrew, yeah. they, they make Andrew Clay like blush. Is, the, is all I could say. It's, it's pretty bad, but yeah, oh if you look, it's not a good one. Check it out; it's hilarious. He's just a, such a funny guy. Um, you know, it's, it's sad to see him go. He was also on Wings, which I loved that show back in the day. I think that's where I first uh, was introduced to Gilbert Godfrey. Was in the show Wings back in the day. Gotcha. So look that up again. It's a funny sitcom. Uh, awesome. There you go. Good stuff. All right, and then lastly, uh, it had to happen because out of the uh, enduring failure of the uh, DC, uh, of the majority of the DC films, it looks like they are looking to actually embrace the things that are working <laughs> and turn around and spin that into, uh, yeah, I know. Who, who knew? Uh, and something's to, working? Uh, yeah, Peacemaker's working. That, that shit is the bomb! But yeah, are you looking at things like uh, looking at the Batman, looking at you know the program they have on, on HBO Max, including uh, Peacemaker. It doesn't mention here, but the animated Harley Quinn series is That one is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yes. Um, and, and so, yeah, looking to embrace uh, a little bit more of a vibe than that. And they really mentioned the, the films like Joker, which I saw once and frankly was disturbed enough by seeing it once that I've not watched it again. Um, but it's a shining example of how second tier characters can become, you know, big popping. Because, again, you know, it, it's all about making quality content. You know, like the Shazam film was great, but it's like... You know, who's Shazam? Shrug the shoulders. Most people aren't going to know. Uh, but then they make other Batman and Superman and Justice League movies, and they're all kind of kind of poopy. Um, or elements thereof. So, I don't know. I mean, I, shit. You know, you, you've, you've tried the rest, now try the best, right? <laughs> it's kind of their methodology. I, I, I mean, I think it's a phenomenal idea. I, the, the properties that they're talking about, I, I certainly enjoy. Yeah, I mean, what's driving this is essentially DC 
has gone through a lot of different like creative and, and directors and everything like that. Um, it's not like we're Marvel. It was Kevin Feige. The only reason Kevin right. that Marvel MCU is good is because Kevin Feige said, "I'm going to create something while Marvel's struggling. Nobody cares about Marvel. They went to bankruptcy. Nobody's even behind them." And he had the luxury to do a lot of heavy lifting and didn't have a lot of uh, involvement and in creative input. I think, but he established something, then Disney bought him and said, keep doing what you're doing. DC's in a different spot. They've never bought it because they've been owned by Warner Brothers for almost 40 to 50 years. So it's not like they they, they started things while they were under Warner Brothers, and there's been not one consistent leader. It's been different. Well, if you don't know this, um, DC was part of Warner Brothers. They were bought by AT&T. And AT&T was a horrible, horrible company to be owned by because they were all about getting wealth and sell things off. So they eventually decided they were going to spin off Warner Brothers, and they actually was merged with Discovery. So Discovery is a huge right. content provider. They have tons of shows you probably watch when you don't even know it. Well, they now merged with Warner Brothers and have a new service coming. This was just happened. So AT&T is out of the picture, and because of that, you now have new um, leadership at HBO and all these shows. So you're going to have a different viewpoint in content as game. This is a Discovery is a content company owning another content company, which is hopefully a good thing. Hopefully it means that they are focused on versus selling cell phones and cable plans and data and things like that, like Cable Town. Um, like, NBC. like Cable Town. I love it. Oh, exactly. Hank, Hank yeah. Cooper and Cable Town. Exactly. Yeah. So there was a shakeup with all the executives and everybody, even at HBO as well. Um, so this is the big thing where they're not sure what they want to do, but it sounds like they're like, we've done, we've had some shining spots, but we also had a lot of crime too, to your point, Charlie. And, and the, because of that, they're like, they just want a little bit of uh, uniformity. It's like, we've got to have, we want to get good talent and let them tell good stories, but we can't be like, We've got an X-rated Joker movie. We've got this. It's like they kind of have to fit together a little bit. Not necessarily right. they have to meet and have a good time and both stories meet to Shwarma, but at least get them on the same page. It's like right. you can't make Superman die of kryptonite poisoning and then expect to use them somewhere else. It's very confusing, but you know what? It is what it is because they're doing TV movies just like and then animated stuff just like uh, Marvel is finally starting to do. With right. the animated stuff because they've been holding back. So this is what we're going to see. They have a new leader there. Uh, you know, uh, the leader that's currently on contract until 2023 is Walter Hamada, and they may retain him or they may let him go. If they do that, and they're going to need a new leader, and they said looking for a Kevin Feige type, not necessarily as a creative, but as someone just to keep things together and get like all the pieces together that they can trust that there's a vision and. Uh, proper focus versus like throwing everything at the wall and see what fits and that seems like well we've got that one uh anywhere show on epics so we got this over here and we got this over there it's like versus disney has everything at right. Hulu or disney plus so i right. think that's where they're going hbo max is probably gonna be the home for everything going forward which right. makes a lot of sense maybe the cw we'll see how that goes because potentially that's maybe sold up but that's where we're headed but you know with that i think this is a good thing because dc has really struggled with their identity and i would love to see them have a stronger voice still highlighting cool projects like the batman like joker like harlequin where you can take chances and be r-rated and do cool things and so do the kids stuff like super pets so there you go katie last word well, yeah i i don't know i'm i'm hesitant just because dc lacks consistency like, especially with everything they've tried to do in the past, you know, 15 years. So I would say that it's going to be more of a 
you know, I, it, you know, one of my favorite things to say is a wait and see approach. Um, just because they try to rush stuff out and it seems like they're more um, pushy with just making something so they can have something out versus actually having something quality because they don't like, they don't like the wait, like having that Marvel payoff of waiting 10 years of yep. doing a whole series of movies before they did Avengers. They were like, we've released two movies. Now it's time for a team up. We're going to introduce all of the other stuff. And so I just say, you know what? Like I realized that I actually haven't watched most of the DC stuff out there right now. Like I haven't seen the second suicide squad. I haven't seen birds of prey. This is coming from someone who has a Harley Quinn tattoo. Mm-hmm. And I haven't actually seen Shazam just because like, I think when we're talking, I'm like, Oh yeah, I should probably watch Shazam. And then when I'm in front of the TV, I just like, I don't even think about it just because like, it's nah. not yeah. there. And I'm just like, mm, I could probably do something like that, but I could also, you know, maybe do something else. Like so. watch, like watch Lower Decks again. Woo! Yeah, I mean, now granted, like the exception to the rule is definitely the Harley Quinn show, but that's one of those where I'm not sure if they know why it works. Right. Because well, like it, it's kind of a lightning in a bottle situation because it's funny, it's brutal, it's very Harley Quinn, but it also has a lot of heart to it, which a lot of her comics kind of lack, where they're just like, oh, she's crazy, and then it's just yeah, kind of. Right. Right. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll see what happens. Marvel gives you a specific type of content. They don't go on the fringes typically. They do it on occasion. And to be honest, Marvel had a lot of crap though when they were doing TV um, before it came under Kevin Feige just recently. We had like Cloak and Dagger. We had Runaways. We had so Marvel can be inconsistent too. They haven't had good. They haven't had good animated stuff either. They've been lacking in that territory. And I would say DC's been really good with projects like Doom Patrol, which I think you really love, Katie. And Marvel would never green like something like that. But I think that's cutting edge. Right. It's crazy. It's boring issues. And I think Marvel can feel ultimately very samey and not take, not be edgy it can be very consistent and very good but their type of storytelling ultimately will create barriers like we talked about Eternals mm-hmm. they're kind of doomed now they're kind of doomed because we won't get a chance to look at them again because they already were established we can't do that they're stuck and it's like I hate that I hate that a good character would be kept off the the, the the viewpoint because we tried once and it failed versus no your taste sucks and you should give them another try. So I think right. there, there's no great way to do it, but I will say DC has allowed great people to take great ideas and go forward, but they've also allowed great people to do, or good directors to crack things, like Wonder Woman 1984. So, and that was a rush, and that was total creative, like, endeavors and embracing it, like, no, creative control, total creative control allowed you to take a crack fest, and you didn't, you, you know, never had no close. Oh, well. It was so, cra- Okay, super hot, super hot take. Looking for Kevin Feige type, they're just going to hire Kevin Feige, and he's going to do both. <laughs> I've said it. Kevin Feige. Kevin Feige. Yeah, he's going to be. He'll be the guy Bartendo type. All right. Well, that takes us out of the news. Uh, so, Todd, now uh, got to get back to get a get a you know a, an off-brand cab uh, that you've got to pay him in uh, Canadian loony dollars. We're going down to Skug Town, Zero Town, going to the Geek Easy. Uh, keep your hand on your wallet. Uh, but this is where we talk about where we're digging. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, drinks are poured, and we are ready to get our nerd on. Katie, got a drink poured. Charlie, got a drink poured. I do too. I'm drinking a D Lovely Porter from beautiful Urban Growler, a woman owned brewery in the Twin Cities. 
Awesome. Well, all right. Yes. yes, yes. There you go. So, Katie, kick us off. I see two things that one my mom loves and one my mom does not love. <laughs> Can you guess, guess which one? Which one? which? <laughs> Bingo. Well, she doesn't love it. She just probably has never watched it. So. Oh, probably not. Um, I have been watching um, Letterkenny because I realized that there was a new season that we had not watched yet. Very enjoyable. Um, and then I am just re-watching Grace and Frankie because that's the thing I put on when I'm working on other stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's what I've been. that's what I've been chilling with. And I'm sure, you know, you should tell your mom to try to watch Grace and Frankie. I'm sure she'd love it. Ah, Exactly. You got it. You got it right. No, (laughs) no, it's funny. I think she's, uh, I I think that show is finally hitting its final season too. I think its final season is out. So I haven't watched the final season. Um, Did did they bring back Dolly Parton for it finally? Did they get her? I have no idea. I wish they did. That'd I think that was the point, right? A, a nine to five reunion, right? So, <laughs> oh, I never, yeah. I never, I never yeah. even thought about that. Well, Amazing. You and Mark Carabin, uh, our, our, our Star Wars buddy, our video game buddy that we do podcasts with, obviously, he just bought or he's buying a Letterkenny Funko Pop collection. Oh, Ooh, fun. Collection. Just released. He just put it on Twitter, Charlie. Did you not see that? Uh, I guess I haven't been on Twitter, either, yeah. but, you know, because I don't want to be ashamed. I'll, I'll look he it up is, right now. And he has seen the Litterkenny crew live. Apparently, they do like some type of live. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, yeah. what, is it like a recreation of an episode? Or no, they're actually it? a sketch group. They started like on oh, YouTube and stuff, okay. doing sketches. Um, and then they basically just created the show from the sketches that they would do. In my fiction, Charlie, uh, what is it? My is it my bloody Valentine or Valentine's Day? What's the horror Canadian horror film? Well, uh, it's my bloody Valentine. There's one right on C on CBI where where Mark lives. Yeah, yeah. So they should make a re a newer newer one, but involve the Letterkenny cast. I think that'd be fantastic. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I would so, definitely watch that. Like, yeah, like what? Like nobody's business. It's a true crossover. Yeah. So, well, very cool. You know, I've, I've only watched a little bit of litter, Kenny, but I enjoy what they're going for. I like a good comedy. So I, I'm looking for a new one. I, I kindly finally finished up. Um, my name is Earl, which ends on a cliffhanger, which sucks. I know. And they never finished it. I'm like, I have to look for fan fiction now on how they wrap up these things, but that was a good one. So I'm going to, I mean, I'm rewatching American dad because I just love that show. It's so dumb because of Roger, the alien. He's just so Mm -hmm. dumb. I love him. He wears Costumes. So there are shows that Todd will watch more than once. I will because I like those snapshot comedies because it's just little jokes make me laugh. Um, right. I don't want a long form drama or anything like that, and I'm always looking for new ones. So well, I well, know. then you should, in the spirit of what Katie and I talked about on Code a couple of uh, episodes back, you should be watching all of Lower Decks because it's it's the same, it's the same way it's the same thing it's little ha-has and you know katie kind of yes. for me is I the orville or is the orville of star trek it's okay. i thought i thought so i thought the orville was the orville are, of star trek it's, it's it's jokes are okay uh you have to be deep into star trek to really get the humor when i watch it at that lower level level i'm like eh, the writing's okay i will I will circle back to talk about Lower Decks in a minute. Because <laughs> I've watched, like ep- watched like seven episodes, so I've definitely given it the... I'll, I'll, I'll watch more of it. It's just yeah. like, like nothing is said, wow, I want to watch more because I love it. I'm like, it kind of has the tropes of a comedy, so people, those characters will have their thing, right? right. Like, That's why you keep watching comedies. I always say, give it a right. season. So I will right. give it a full season, as I always do. And Parks and Rec is a classic one, man. That first season sucked. 
was oh, that was rough. And it was exactly. th- it was only like six episodes, so then you get to move on to something better within the series. Well, yeah. they typically find what they need to fix by the first right. season being over. Yeah, mm-hmm. so right. that's where you go. Right. It's, it's just like Seinfeld, just like those shows. But something that didn't need to be fixed, and they even made it better, was Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, part do I? I want to see this, but it's kind of bittersweet for me. So I, I will have to. I, I will. I will live vicariously through you. So go ahead. Uh, it's funny. I took my six-year-old son. He used to read the comics, all that fun stuff with Sonic. We enjoyed the first movie. had its flaws, definitely. But yeah. it was better than it deserved to be. And that movie, obviously, they changed the, the graphics. Originally, the way he looked was just weird, like almost like a right. weird, scary. Like, sad right. boy. It was like, where the wild things go kind of boy. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like when you see, like, the this is the real version of the animated characters, like Futurama, where they make the characters look kind of human. It's like, oh, that's grotesque. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, so Sonic 1, we enjoyed it. We all had a good time with it. Charlie, I think you enjoyed it. Did you see yeah, it? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I watched it because I felt like I should support them after they literally got like just hated on for that terrible, terrible rendition. Yes. And also, I wanted to see Jim Carrey. I thought that'd be great. It was okay. Yeah. Kind of forgettable. I mean, yeah. I can... It felt... I guess I get spoiled because I love... I watch so much kids animation and like kids geared stuff that I love it when there's also like more adult, not like adult themes, like triple X type themes, but more like adult oh. nuances of emotion. That's what I'm saying. When I realized the I was going to say adult the, the, themes, the, the, I didn't the mean, sexual like, adventures of Sonic. Right. Oh, I didn't miss those kind of adult themes, oh, okay. but I meant more like things that you can also grasp on as an adult where you're like seeing kind of the growth and humanity mm-hmm. of the character and i didn't really feel like that was in sonic it definitely felt like it was just a kid's it was movie. a kid's film it was a kid's yeah. movie yeah and so definitely. i watched it i was like that's fine i don't have any desire to see the second one <laughs> as much as i love knuckles the good right. thing about that mo- the second one is it's essentially like partitioned which is very weird it's almost like you see like i think they finally figured out they they, they took notes and said hey what worked what didn't work they largely nailed it except for one part it was so weird it's like a weird dichotomy because essentially they ditched the humans of the like the the, the sonic's family mm-hmm. but they ditched them and made them go off and have their own adventure and you had to oh, come with them and it was just so dumb it was so weird right. like that part felt if they had removed that part this movie would have been so much better but i think they mm-hmm. had to make it like sonic as right. a family right but what this movie did do is it fully embraced the oddity that is the sonic universal characters so they brought in two new characters largely and if this truly is Jim Carrey's swan song, because that's the big buzz, like this may be his last film. Yeah, he right. Gave okay. it, he gave it three hundred percent in this movie, more so even than the last one. It was full on Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey mode. It was very fun. There was a very fun dance off scene that I, I, I just, I just laughed. I just couldn't believe myself, and I'm like, they're doing this. All right, I'm in. This oh, right. had a lot of, plus they they did a lot of the things from the the, the 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 video games which i'm like and logan's like even saying yeah dad they like really totally covered things i'm like well that's coming from a very a, a teen who has specific tastes and for him to meet him just a good time <laughs> right. he's like dad i like that movie and we were even laughing because there's this one character this guy we like uh that does video game reviews who's actually a blue muppet which is just a very th- weird thing but i feel i feel like i've heard of this so yes his name is arlo he's very funny but he's just he comes off as like a muppet and he just does things as a muppet and he's very good but he was like bagging in the movie like, like it didn't it didn't um Honor the source material. I'm like what source material? Honor, where Sonic, where honor Sonic, the source material. Where Sonic goes by in a 2D element, it hits rings and releases. <laughs> like, 
what what source material? The comics that are just were made by Archie Comics. The 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 the, 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 the animated series with Steve Urkel as the voice. I mean, at a point, I'm like, guys, lighten up. It's a video. Right. Game. It's not like it's got deep source material. Like, oh, they didn't, you know. So whatever. It's well, it's like a, it's a better movie than the last one. That's like what you're saying about Halo, you know, about people who are who are pissing in their sheets about, oh my god, it's just not honoring this thing or that thing. It's like it's a first person shooter and where where's the story in that? Watch around shoot things? No. There is a very in-depth story in Halo. No, there's there's a depth depth story, but it's not in the game. It's actually in the eighty-five novels you read on the side. I uh, yes, I think that, that and that's what we've been discussing. That was my impression over. It's lore, so it's like that. And, 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 and we, right. and people that love the books love the comics, and I totally get that. But in the in the actual games, the game, the storytelling in the games is not good. Master Chief says all of probably like twelve sentences. Things are happening around to inform you the story, but. Mm. In the, in the actual Halo TV series, it's actually giving Master Chief some depth and background story. So I like appreciate that. But yeah, don't, we're derailing. Yes, <laughs> please. Halo, Chris, uh, Katie, have you Real watched that? Um, no, I heard Master Chief takes off his helmet, and I'm not going to watch that. It's but the like it. took off his helmet. Ma- Mando did That's it. That's so- different. That's different. Why? In, in Master Chief, he's only battling in this. He's actually hanging out and talking to people. Yeah, that's, he's doing it. He, he never said he doesn't take off his helmet. We just never see him because in, in those games, he's constantly going off and killing people all the time. This, there's downtime. And he, it makes sense to take off his helmet like the other Spartan Yeah. No. yeah. No. no. Okay. Well, let's move on because yes, uh, uh, we're kind of deadlocked. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so we'll no. disagree. Uh, <laughs> uh, that series is so-so. It's it's not great. It's not bad. It's it's good for entry people intro and entry level if they're ever going to play the Halo game. So I'll give them that. Um, so there we go. Moon Knight, though. Mm. I think this oh, pairs yes. very. I think this pairs very well into the DC side because I, I am. A, I'm very mixed bag in Moon Knight right now. I like what they're going for. But I feel like it's irrelevant to Marvel. I feel like this show... Yes, zero connectivity. I feel like it's hampered by Marvel because it has to stick to certain parameters, which then limits the the way they can approach the character. They have to stick within the Marvel confines. This isn't a Netflix show. But what what is it? What what do you feel? What do we think they're holding back? I mean, I, I... I, there, there's no connectivity to the Marvel at this point. Are you saying thematically it's being held Thematic, back? Some uh, thematically, because they think if they're, they're, if people are like lauding this for mental health, I don't think they are. I think this is just two people having abilities. I don't think this is a, as deep as it needs to go. I think Legion, which is a series by FX, which was done right. by Marvel uh, uh, before it came to Disney, did a much better job with mental health and dealing with those issues. I think it's dealing on a very surface level, to be honest. And I don't think it's truly there. I think you're dealing with someone. I've got great. I've got a guy that's really knowledgeable. I got a guy cast. It's not, I got a guy that can barely get out of bed and can't live and can't uh, do. So I think that's where, if we're going that way, I think if this was a handled by outside of the MCU, I think they could explore some issues pretty deeply and could do some deep dive things with this it's very surface level it feels like where buffy explored mental health on a very quick level and we're all through it now we essentially are at this point with mark specter and everything where he's like oh i can hand him off we can switch sides we can do this we can do that we can do this and it's like okay it's kind of like saying yeah you can get over it if you're a superhero which i think is a false narrative whereas legion covered it much better much real world much more impactful and much more relatable to people that are dealing with mental health so i think that's a crutch mm. to call it out it deals better in the comics deals with other places in this it feels like a super adventure with a guy that has two personas but he still can get by 
and he's not yeah, yeah. in life, if that's right. sense. But I, yeah, do, I do it's, enjoy it's it. Vocal, yeah. I do enjoy it, but I kind of feel like this being in Marvel and where it's going, I just then I'm saying, well, how's and Moon Knight going to fit in with the other Avengers characters, those type of things? And I'm like, sometimes it just doesn't work in the Marvel, the Marvel, Marvel mode where the, things the are Mar- supposed to connect. Marvel mode. Yes. Go full yeah. Marvel mode. Yes. So, so I don't know. I don't know. And we're, we're three episodes in four. Was they three or four? Three oh, and there's three, three. left. Right. Yeah, three and there's three left. Yeah. I like, I like Oscar Isaac a lot. I like what they're doing. But like I said, with Marvel, we talk about their mode. I just think it's kind yeah. of a, it's kind of like a, 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 in a lot of sense, it's a DC light. It's kind of like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. When I look at this, I'm like, I love what they did with Hawkeye. Cause it was really, they could have a lot of fun. We understand where Hawkeye fits and where the characters going there. This one feels like a right. one-off and which is fine, but it's kind of that weird balance of like real supernatural monsters and these things like that versus dealing with real monsters in your head. Right. Which is, I think where they wanted to go, but they couldn't because I of the confines disagree. of Jesse. I don't think that it's supposed to be talking about um, disassociative identity disorder. I think that the idea is that Mark Spector is an avatar that took over um, Steven's body in regards to that's where Contru put him. So I don't think it's so much like Legion definitely was great at dealing with men or with mental health issues. And it was absolutely fantastic. But I think that um, the way that Moon Knight is doing it is it's more of like a supernatural vibe. So I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be talking about mental health issues as much. I, 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 I tag it at the end of the episode. If you have mental, I think that's what that is. And they said oh. Moon Knight is all about the mental health issues dealing with like, dissociative disorder. So I kind of feel like in this way, it's like they're trying to go for it and trying to tell people that's what it's about. I, and to your point, Katie, I don't think it is about that. That's the, I, yeah, I, I didn't think get that. It's good for mental health. So I'm like, eh. Like it feels like it feels like a light touch on it. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a I, it's a it's a dabble. I agree, but I'm I'm totally in Katie's camp about this. It's yeah, it's Kachu messing about with this mortal as you know mm-hmm. Jonas Harrow, the villain who, who he purports. We don't know how how on the level this guy is. That oh, I was Kachu's last avatar, and he's going to lie to you and this and that. It's like you know ex boyfriends. You know what I mean? But again, he's completely untrustworthy. Don't necessarily know that he's that he's on the level. So. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm engaged. I'm interested in seeing where it's going. So, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll make two points. They did, when they were talking about doing uh, reviews, they released the first four episodes to journalists or to reporters right. and critics before they would, like, so they could get an actual vibe of the show. So I don't know if we've even actually seen where this is going fully. And secondly, I think they really missed the mark if they're going to be talking about uh, dissociative identity disorder of not doing a Hathor-Sakmet combo. I'm just saying, like, Kanshu... No. Hathor Sackman, that's some justice. That's some fun. That's where it should have gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and to your point, where it's going, we're halfway through. That's the problem. Right. They should have made it eight episodes long because if it's, there's three more episodes to now deal with something. And is it going to end on a high note? Is it going to be like, you feel, are they going to like, oh, and by the way, here's all these Marvel characters you should know at the end. It's like, does it feel like it's wedged in to fit somewhere? Right. And I, Oscar Isaacs, apparently this is the only thing he's contracted for. So this could be right. just a one off, which is fine. I, I like the character. I like what they're doing. I just, it's like, once again, if this is supposed to be, everything's supposed to fit in the Marvel universe. Like then where are the stakes as you could say. And sometimes stakes are just in a, having a good story. 
Sometimes your steak is just medium well. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Moving on. I'm going to fire through quick for the sake of time. So uh, last week uh, on First Contact Day, that would be April the 5th, and Todd, we talked about this previously, Star Trek, the motion picture's long-awaited 4K high-def director's edition dropped on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Katie, have you watched? I have not, no. Uh, and Todd, you said you had some interest in this. So is it on your radar? I do, because the only time I saw this movie was when I was really too young to watch it, and I was bored. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm obviously older now. I could watch it. Charlie, how does it look? It's uh, and What's interesting is I saw it not only uh, you know on my TV at home, there was a screening for it at Mission Chicago, which I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, and it is now getting a theatrical re-release next month uh, in, by the, uh, the Fathom Events people who never do anything in Grand Rapids. It's going to be at... Uh, it's going to be with the Celebration Theaters, uh, nice. which is our, our local chain. So I will go see it on the big, big screen again, um, and I, I'm very excited about that because I saw when the 40th anniversary hit back in 2019, I, uh, Phoenix Theater is a theater chain. They just opened a location here in town, but they're over in Metro Detroit. Uh, they did a screening of the original print, and the, the audio was really wonky, and it was kind of really hard to sit through. This is remastered in Dolby Atmos and all this different stuff. So uh, it's great. I've always loved the film, the director's edition was a superior cut it fixed a lot of the weird stuff uh that was kind of messed up it was kind of what we really wanted george lucas to do with those star wars special editions instead ah. of put instead of putting in muppets and friggin jabba's extra this and that or whatever he <laughs> he took the opportunity to like show us the v'ger spacecraft at the end which was always a cloud throughout the movie at the end of it he had storyboarded what it really looked like and then this director's edition which came out in 2001 did it, and then this was obviously the uh, the HD realization of that. So it's great. It's on Paramount Plus exclusively now. There'll be a they'll, in theaters next month, and there'll, there'll be a physical and I assume digital release next fall. So I recommend it. Uh, I have been talking ad nauseum about the fact that April and I were at Mission Chicago. This is a <laughs> uh, officially licensed uh, Star Trek convention, one of the first in many many years. It was an absolutely incredible experience for me. I. Uh, got pulled on stage with Jerry O'Connell who again uh, is he's Commander Ransom in the Lower Decks animated show we were just talking about uh, he's also the guy that my mom said you know because I was a short pudgy kid and he was a short pudgy kid he said you look like my mom said you look like Jerry O'Connell when I was a kid and then I'm standing on stage with him and he's gorgeous and I'm still fat so what am I going to do um, but I, I got a I got a signed Katie you've seen the pictures a signed Tom Paris plate there was four <laughs> cast members that were on that stage and uh, got to Voy? Yeah, from Voy. Uh, you know, it really is shorter when you say it that way. Yeah, no doubt about it. Did you get your bowl signed by Chicote or whatever? <laughs> which is my, which is, uh, which Tony, Tony Newsom did repeat that line uh, in the panel, which was awesome. So, no, it was fun. Uh, the, the, the con, it's, or the event itself, a little short on great vendors. Uh, but again, this was a licensed con, so you didn't have a lot of the rinky dink bullshit that you see at a lot of conventions, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But they had really great stuff. They had a great walkthrough of Strange New World. And, and costumes and a, a beautiful model of the you know the redone Enterprise that we're going to see in that show, which comes on on May fifth. Um, I you know got a got an autograph from Anson Mountain, got to meet him. I met uh, I met Will Wheaton, which is uh, I'm eight for nine of my original TNG cast members now. Michael Dorn, I'm coming for you. 
not literally. Uh, but he'll be my last one. But uh, it, no, it was great. Not after the restraining order he's going to oh, put on you now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, shit. And I, went and, and I said it on a podcast. Whoops. Um, actually, Will Wheaton, even though I'm not a huge fan of his work, was actually, he was very gracious, nice guy. Um, so it was, um, it was great. So it was great. Um, April and I are going to go to Fan Expo, which is the new Wizard World, uh, in July. Uh, back in Chicago, Jonathan Frakes is going to be there. I'm going to get an autograph for him, and I'm going to put my two Avatar Star Trek characters are Anson Mount's Captain Pike and Jonathan Frakes' Commander Riker. Going to ha- hand those bad boys side by side in my house. So there's my there's there's my hashtag 2022 Trek goals right there. So it was it was good stuff. Very cool. I think that's neat that it's an official event. And I, I think that's kind of neat that there's fandoms that haven't. Star Wars has there, of, of course. But then you got a lot of these bootleg right. events. So it's kind of neat to right. have that because you're guaranteed to have like what the people want to see, which is exactly. uh, the, the, the big names, those type of things, right. which is great. You're still going to have your like sidebar content where you're going to have the, the, you know, the local shows, the other ones right. where you bring in other people. So it's neat to have those as an addendum because you, it's been hard to have those lately because they've been gone away. Uh, even right. the shows we want to go see, the guests were like, we don't know. Like Charlie, we were talking about, you know, oh, C2E2, blah, blah, blah. We don't know who's going to show up. So right, yeah, yeah. and there were still plenty of limitations to this show. You know, plexiglass, this masks, and it's all mm-hmm. kind of by the individual performer and what kind of what they wanted to do. So, uh, but anyway, again, in, in the interest of keeping it short, Todd, uh, you got the serious FOMO between Mark and myself about Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga, which I've really jumped into, Hetty. I'm enjoying it. I talked about it on Holocron, which uh, just came out yesterday, uh, so definitely tune in. Uh, but I'm loving this. A lot of enhanced uh, functionality, uh, a lot of different things. I'm annoyed that uh, in order to uh, do your level up bonuses, you have to collect these stupid little data cards. That's my annoyance so far. Um, but, you know, it does have, and Mark was pointing out, it does have an ability to level up your characters by uh, by their category. So, like, you can you can pump up your Jedi's, much like, a, like, like it was an RPG or whatever it is. So, I'm loving it. I have a long way to go. Uh, it gives you uh, all nine of the saga films to play through. And a lot of the beats have been covered because, again, there was a whole other game that covered a lot of this. But it's still fun. It's very irreverent. And uh, I bought the season pass, so I'll still have content. I'll probably be playing this for the rest of the year because there's just tons of content. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's the only video games that I like. So, Did they patch the kids bouncing yet or the, the kid? I don't know if you heard about that. Oh, I don't know yeah. if you tried it yet. What are they? Oh no! Do they, so, they do they do something in episode three about Anakin and the no. the, the kids? So to stop people from um, performing their own version of Order sixty six, <laughs> um, they made it so that you can't actually kill any of the kids. They just hit up in the air. Oh um, no! Lightsaber. So people have literally been using kids <laughs> to travel to like <laughs> because oh you can hit them up in the air and then like jump and so they'll like basically chain to create these like long distance traveling off of these poor kids like go over that seems legit (laughs) i I love i love that people immediately were like okay so i can't kill him what else could i do i have uh, uh, traversal elements i'm still in i have not gotten episode three yet these poor younglings (laughs) when i I get there i will think of this conversation with dread Uh, (laughs) everybody everybody that wants to redeem uh anakin just remember he killed a bunch of kids there you go (laughs) i love the robot chicken where he's like okay anakin you can do this and he's having this vision about 
uh, going through a field and chopping up wildflowers. And then later he's back to the apartment with Padme. He's like, oh, babe, I brought you a bunch of flowers in the other room. And she walks in. She's like, ah! <laughs> Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. So that's it for me. Excellent. Well, that is it for the Geek Easy. But now it's time for us to go to a, a better place where the mutants are many and we are there to entertain them. And that's the Thunderdome. Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome for a topic or game to keep the mutants entertained. And this week we are doing the comic cover cavalcade. As we've talked for many, 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 many episodes, we have thought we should revisit and actually read some of the classic covers we feature at the beginning of the episode. So I did the random number generator, and apparently we started this, Charlie. No, wait, 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 wait. Effect for uh, your inception. You push the button and it went beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, boop, right? Yeah, pretty much. That was what I did in my mind, that there was the sound that generated these numbers. But we started with, like, issue or episode 282 up to 371. So there's about almost 100 episodes we've done this. So it spouted out the numbers, and here we go, which is kind of sad, but kind of good. So we (laughs) all read these comics. We picked five, and we're going to divide and conquer these. So, Katie, the first comic cover that we're going to talk about today that we actually read... Is all yours? Yes, which was Daredevil two eighty three. I think that was written in the like sixty six. Was that oh, the no year? August nineteen ninety was Daredevil? Yes. Then I might not have read the right one. Oh no! You, well, because, Daredevil debuted in nineteen sixty six, so I think that's yeah, that was the, the, the that was the, yeah, yeah, the yes, maybe yes. that was it. Yeah. I hope you I read it. the right one. Was I it the one so. where, where it was the car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you got it. It was a team up episode. Yeah, that makes a little bit more sense because I was like, wow, this is really progressive for 66. (laughs) 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 Um, So, yeah, I was um, generally just impressed overall. I don't usually read a lot of like older back issues, um, especially when it comes to Marvel and especially Daredevil and Cap, like, not really my cup of tea normally. Um, But uh, it seemed like it was more of a Captain issue than necessarily a daredevil issue but um cap is he was like socialist to the i loved it he's just yeah, he crazy was a, leftist like just going off all, i was all been there yeah. for it and there was a point where i honestly don't know if marvel would be able to get away with this comic nowadays i think that it would probably get like people talk about you know comics being political and all that stuff like this was definitely a political comic because you had a gentleman who was an immigrant it starts out in the opening page is him like wrapped in the american flag his name is victor he's created a car that can run off of um, harmonics it's made out of garbage and he kind of repurposed it and the idea is it can fly and then the government uh you know cia all of these people come and try to shut him down and basically big oil all come after him and daredevil and captain america have to stop him and it comes down to a lot of just conversations between captain america and daredevil talking about how like the american system is failing about how we're falling behind how you know europe is doing a lot of these things with social programs and it really seemed like it was a reflection of a lot of what's going on right now as far as um, where people are, f- or how a lot of the pop- general population is feeling now versus how they were feeling then. And Charlie, I saw you had something to say. What do you want to say, man? 
No, I wanted to hit mute because I was going to take a beat. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw your hand go. I was I'm like, I, oh, you have something I, to say. I hit the wrong button. What I have to say is, uh, uh, you, uh, you're, you're crushing it, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I like working with you. So thank you very much. Oh well, thank you. I mean, I will say my one caveat of after being just pleasantly surprised by this entire comic was, like Captain America's having this. There is this huge thing where he's talking about how he wears you know this uniform and it feels like a second skin and now he's like starting to wonder about like what it means for america and at the end of the comic like he just is like like something happens like the guy ends up where they do this thing where they think that the guy is going to try to kill himself but then he flies away with a jetpack right and then captain america picks up a flag and he's like this is the america that i think of. and i was like that didn't actually solve any of the problems that you and daredevil were talking about two pages before like there's still the poverty discriminate or like you know huge uh you know birth between you know, the normal folks and the 1%, there's still all of these social issue programs of them constantly being defunded. There's still, America's still run by an oligarchy, but because a dude made a jetpack, everything's good. Because <laughs> the guy flew off saying under his breath, America, fuck right. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's it's hard to solve the world's issues in 24 pages, essentially what we had. Yeah. And that was, this was a standalone story. And it's really right. hard to tell a really solid story and just like what was the repercussions, what was the end right. game of this. And it was interesting. And Ascenti is a really good writer. And she and was I, the best comics for Daredevil at the time. And, and Mark Bagley, yeah. surprisingly... That's your guy! Like, That's your guy! His art looked so much better than it does now because it looks like he was trying to have his own style versus its generic art guy. So I actually thought the art was pretty decent for this for Mark Bagley in 1990 before he came. I, I gotta look like generic Spider-Man guy. I have never bagged on Mark Bagley, pun intended. Um, but I, I actually, I know uh, Anne Nascenti through social media is one oh. of Facebook friends. She even wished me a very happy birthday this past February. Aww. Yeah, I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah, this was this was a very offbeat story, and you're absolutely right. Much like the, uh, the X-Men comic that I'm going to talk about in a little while, uh, they really subverted expectations around who was driving the boat in this story and whose book it was. Um, but again, I, I, it worked. It worked in the same way that I think I'll describe that, that I think this X-Men book works. So yeah, it was, it was, but you're right. It, it worked, but in the end didn't end up solving anything with the, the dream warrior flying away with his jetpack. Yeah. If they would have just taken out that last panel of Captain America holding the flag, I would have been totally fine with it. And I would have said, it works great. It's awesome. But just that weird last panel, I was like, eh. That's all about, I should have ended up on the cutting room floor. With yep. a just, there you yep, go. I would have been fine oh, with wow. it. <laughs> oh, I guess he was wow. so. I guess he was so happy the guy didn't kill himself. I guess. America, there you go. <laughs> um, cool. Well, let's see. I've got the next two issues. And these uh-huh. were a mixed bag of crap, as you would say. I was going to say, Todd, I, I don't really think the mixed part of it really applies. I think it's just yeah, a big there was, there, was, yeah. there was very little fun in this dumbness. So there we uh, go, yeah. Charlie. Yeah, it was, yeah. And the, and the the first is worse than the last, but the, because the last uh, really just lends itself to kind of what you expect. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah this was, a, this was a two DC comics. And fortunately, because DC is older, if you go with like a 300 issue, you're going to get something from, like, times past. So yeah, right. uh, World's Finest uh, is essentially a DC comic book, which is was a team-up book. Superman and Batman. 
that's what they did. They did it for right. forever. Kind of like uh, Marvel team up, but well right. before that. Yeah. Right. So but yeah, where, where Marvel team up was at least rotating. This was just these two guys. Just right. and they, they would just go and experience different characters and things. Right. So World's Finest 295. Uh, this comic is well known as the um, the Moon Dancers, which was very, <laughs> yes. weird. very, very well known. Very well. Three known. ladies that were have superpowers and essentially this opened with actually the same thing with the Daredevil comic where it opens up with the beginning of the comic and then it goes back to tell you what happened, you know, before how we got there. So this opens essentially with Batman. Apparently NASA has this number on speed dial to investigate why these satellites are getting exploded. And we got to put a man on the shop. It's Batman. You know what? We could bring in the secret service, bring in Batman, have him explore. So he descends up to batarang up a, a missile, a satellite launcher to look. And as he's doing that, these great. three, these six, three sexy moon ladies who have the name of new moon. Was it uh, right? Harvest moon. Yep. And Harvest moon and crescent moon. Crescent moon was the other. Wait, and wait a second. So all three were uh, songs by Neil Young. <laughs> Apparently, and then they take down Batman, and he's got a frozen arm injury, and then he gets a disease. So mm-hmm. apparently these ladies are bad news. They gave him a dis- of an aerial disease, apparently, as they were fighting. So Batman's out of commission. Superman has to investigate this. Very odd. Uh, essentially, Batman uh, Superman finds the cure in a comet heart, which is just, I, I don't know, maybe that happens. But the great part about this comic is they essentially spoofed the great Carl Sagan, the great oh, astronomer. I said it to you guys when I was reading. I'm like, what the F is this shit? And apparently, the, the, and this is all about Superman trying to figure out who did this, who's behind the scenes, who's sabotaging these space programs. And uh, the Carl Sagan, they made him like, what, Carl Hagen or something yep. like that? Yeah. It was really goofy and dumb. Marl Bagan. There was yes, There we go. And then we find out, we end up finding out the guy who actually was behind the scenes brought these moon ladies in to sabotage things was a kid who was there for Hiroshima's being nuclear, nuclear right. bombing. And this was all about removing America's uh, nuclear powers by building a laser. It made no sense. Any more, any more sense than the you know the X Men Apocalypse movie we love so much that that's what that's what Apocalypse did. And I'm going to take all or Superman did in Superman Four. Exactly, and I had to like I had to take some pictures of some of the things they said, and um, <laughs> some of these were just so bizarre. I just didn't understand it. Like where Batman was going to like take on a Harvest Moon who grew and says she says heads up. I just can't wait to get my arms around you. And this is what Batman replies to as he's about to attacker he says i'm ready for you this time your size changing ability took me surprise by surprise once harvest moon while i'm just enough of a chauvinist to shrink from hitting Mm -hmm. just enough of a chauvinist to shrink i mean wouldn't a chauvinist want to hit her i don't i just don't understand that what that means I did not either. What is not what either. is just enough of a chauvinist? Is that but I'm like? But, but like a, I'm just enough chauvinist that I'd want to hit you. No, just I, I just I don't think they knew what they were writing. It, it was, was it was it, that was Bizarro Batman right there. Yes, I yes. remember that line too. Yeah. Yes, it was just very weird. Um, the writing was odd. It, this was made in uh, was September nonsensical. 1983. Nonsensical is one way to put it. Uh, <laughs> generous as it may be. I was very confused because. They hit Batman, the the moon dancers hit Batman with that virus thing. They didn't get it. It wasn't theirs. Dr. Um, Nakamura made it. Mm-hmm. But So somehow he got a hold of an alien virus? 
that they had no idea what it was. Like, how is it that he was able to do that? And then his, they kept talking about how his eyes were glowing red. But, and so I'm like, oh, okay, he got, he got, he must have been possessed by like a radioactive monster or something. When he or or he got radioactive powers by me. Yeah, and Shaman, like, okay, maybe. Sure. Ra- radioactive. No, he's just, yeah. The real question is, how did he, where did these ladies come from? Yeah. How did he employ them? Why did he convince them? And it's like, do you just put that out on, on Craigslist? Like, what do you do? <laughs> this is before Craigslist. This is like, right. the, what is it? The Wheeler Dealer that like you used to put out for oh, right. like 35 but, cents. You put it like grocery stores. And it's like, I'm looking for this. Where you just right. like pull the little tabs off. Yeah, why not? Oh, right, yeah. To dismantle yes. you know, nuclear programs. Call the next one over. with must yeah. have superpowers and be lazy. Yes. Yeah. Next one over. Floating moon thing. Next one over for their guitar lessons. There you and go. Apparently <laughs> they just, and then they're just let off, and they go off in the sunset never to be seen again, apparently. Right. Uh, also, apparently. Like, why were they involved with our, like, why did they care about our nuclear program? I mean, like... Also, so many questions. I started so out questions. and was just kind of rooting from them for the get go because they're like, oh, well, they've destroyed like three military satellites. And I was like, go you. That sounds fun. Yeah, I'm not going to be upset about that. <laughs> so, but also, what did they, why did they care? Where were they? So many, again, so many answers. Nonsensical writing. This, this is, is the non- problem with the 24 page story. <laughs> right. You're like, oh, we're trying to make a point eventually. We'll see what happens. Well, and coming yeah. off of that Daredevil one, I was like, oh, this is no. Oh, no. Exactly. And I think this goes down to the fact that it was written by David Anthony Kraft and L.B. Kellogg. They had two writers to come up with a bad script. And then Jerome Moore, somebody else who was a generic guy, DC guy back in the day. And uh, apparently there was a rift between Batman and Superman because of the Outsiders comic back in the day where Spider-Man formed his own team. Don't know. Charlie, did you have any other takes on this one? Not at all. I mean, it was, you know, like I said, when I was reading this, I was sending you guys screen grabs. I'm like, this is, this is, and, and the, the Carl Sagan thing was in like in the first couple of pages. I'm like, this is just, this is going down, this is you're going downhill on your bike with no brakes. This is just mm-hmm. not going to get, not, it's just not yeah. going to get any better. So, yeah, it's, it's a sign of the times. It was 80s. This was a couple of years before Superman 4, where the same thing was done. You know, obviously the arms race was a big deal for everybody. And then they try to circle back with commentary about Hiroshima, which I guess I don't really get because it was, I I don't know. I don't want to get into it too much. But yeah, yikes. Todd, I would definitely say that uh, the next selection is a little bit more digestible. Yes. So this one is Detective Comics 304 which we're going to go way back to June 1962. So this is Marvel. This is pre-Marvel. So this is... No, 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 no. no. The Golden Age of Marvel started in 1961 with Fantastic Four. Okay, a year after. It's close. A year after, but close enough that that (laughs) DC already 300 issues essentially before Marvel even started. Given that, this is a, a, a Batman issue with Robin where they essentially were having to take down Clayface. And the cover did not lie because the cover was essentially in the comic. So you didn't have to even worry, like, what's this about? It's about Clayface. Batman, classic schemes, Clayface with his hijinks. We right. find out that he gets his he gets his powers from like a hot tub in the middle of the, the ah, 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 city. Hot, hot tub, gotta get in the water. And it gives him powers for forty eight mi- forty eight hours. Forty eight forty eight minutes. Forty eight like, like better. <laughs> and he has a plan to get money so he can survive, and he impersonates some people. And yeah, that's about it. 
I like that at one point he stole $60,000 and was like, yeah, now I have enough money to start a new life and get I'm a house s- and live I'm rich. S- and I was like, excuse me, sir, what? Right. 12, you could buy 12 yeah. houses for $60,000. Yeah, you just, bought, you just bought a subdivision for $60,000. Exactly. <laughs> $60,000, that's big money. That's like yeah. Well, well, hold on, hold on. Let me get my inflation calculator, which is the, my absolute favorite app on okay, my phone. Okay, we're going to find out the value of $60,000 oh, yes. in okay. 1962. Three to uh, what was that? $60,000? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. oh, 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 was over half a million dollars. Okay, so not enough to really set you up for life, right? No, exactly. Not. You could maybe okay. you could maybe get a house and have, yeah. you know, have some some spend some spending bucks, but yeah, um, exactly not gonna but, set you up for life, <laughs> but Todd, Todd, for sure. Uh, the, the action did not end with that story. Oh no! This is an 11-page story. Was the entry point? Then we got some weird, like, side comics that I didn't understand. It was like dad jokes or something like that. I did not know this actually <laughs> happened in comics at the time, but oh well. But then we got a Martian Manhunter backup issue, which was fantastic because yeah, the Crime School, Crime School. Cr- I love that. Oh, crime man. School. Yeah, it was so. I I read that first section out loud to Aaron because I was like. <laughs> You are not gonna believe this. <laughs> so good. And he's like, he's like, what have you gotten yourself into with these two strange guys reading all this weird oh, shit? Oh man, no, we, just, <laughs> we went into an entire like rant about propaganda. <laughs> oh, this, so this was this was really great. So Martian Manhunter John Johns actually his alter ego is a detective John Jones, which is you know you know hey, that's very clever. That's good. Throw the scent right off. There's no trouble. And he's got an array of powers that essentially makes him like the most powerful hero in the world. But the bad thing is, apparently, everybody knows his super weakness. I'm like, how does everybody know he's a like yeah, I, a fire? I, how does everybody know this? They didn't even have the internet, so how does everybody know? I love that there was the the tell was a dude lighting a cigarette and being like, yes. "Oh, I'm so sorry, you're scared of fire." And the, then John Jones leaves, and he's like, as he's leaving, he's like, "That's fine, Commissioner, you can light up now." Yeah, right. Oh God, <laughs> was his boss like a general or something? I didn't understand. Was it like a I have no idea. police cop? Police cop general? I don't know. He was like a commissioner. That's what I kind of assumed. Maybe. Right. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, I mean, the whole thing that- talking about a super crime university. Or crime yes. knowledge, like where you, is it you right? Like good at like, crime, yeah. Like yeah. that is a step, a step either above or below clown college. You choose. But the funny part was like how he foiled them. He like actually infiltrated them, but didn't stop infiltrating them. Even when he found what they were doing, he displaced their fire canister with some noxious fumes. It was. It was silly. It was. It was like silly string. That's what he should have done. Really, I mean, that oh, would have been, been more amazing. Fun. That would have been, been more fun. He could have busted them then, but he decided not to because he wanted to show that he got them. Ha ha! Oh, so so he put lives in danger just to basically pat his own ego. That that's great. That's good Apparently. stuff. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> but the, the the writer was Bill Finger, who was a right? creator yeah. of Batman. Yeah, which was the fact that he was writing Batman for over three hundred issues is just amazing. That is, uh, yes. It, it, and Sheldon it, Moldoff is another classic Batman uh, artist. Okay, of, Sheldon. Yeah, because Sheldon Moldoff, if you think of the entry, the, the beginning of Batman 66, the TV series, that art was Sheldon Moldoff. Right, right, right. You're right. You're right. This was a dead ringer. And what one thing I did also really notice is that you can tell 
by the surely by the degradation of the fact that this is from 60 years ago that the all the paneling of the art was very pixelated mm-hmm. just just a little bit, bit, bit and I, I don't know the specific well who you know, has got to keep comics from Right, in any type of fashion from over fifty years ago. Well, they were sim- place. yeah, they were simply you know like newspapers back then because you know I bought this for ten cents, I read Throw it, it away. trash, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, and they didn't even have any recycling; just went right into the landfill. So yeah, so yeah, that makes that uh, yeah. that does make sense. So three oh, down, two to three go. Down. Charlie Let's got go. four three thirty one, written by Alan Zelenitz and yes. sold by Bob Hall before Walt Simonson took over. The right, this was the run up to that, and Bob Hall. I've actually met Bob. Hall mm-hmm. at, uh, at, at at least our local Grand Rapids con, but maybe I met him somewhere else as well. But yeah, this was this was funny because I was reading it this evening when April and I were sitting on the couch. She was something was on and we were watching them reading this, and, and I'm showing her panels as I'm going through. I'm like, babe, did you know that in the '80s? Thor lived in Chicago, and being in Chicago, and I, uh, and being in our hotel room, I had brought along. I have my, I, I have the travel Roku that I bring with me when I travel for work, and I plugged it into the hotel TV. And she was like, "I want to watch Adventures in Babysitting. It's one of her favorite movies from the '80s." Well, in that movie, the little girl is obsessed with Thor, and the movie takes place in Chicago in the '80s. Makes sense. And you got and that. Thor it? was, and Thor was played by the Kingpin. And Thor was played by the Kingpin. April thought she I and I'm giving her a shot. I don't know. I'm sure she can hear my voice because I'm loud as hell and she's upstairs. But I had to give her total props for that. That was terrific. Um, but yeah, this was um, this was this was this was an oddball one. So it starts off. It feels like it was it was maybe it was a holdover from the previous issue. Um, I'm not sure or maybe not. But Thor is uh, supposed to get the keys to the city, so he's he's on the city streets and he's fighting this dude. Who is a religious zealot known as the Crusader, who through by hook or by crook, the power of God, whatever it is, you guys know how I feel about uber religious stuff. It's just not my scene. Um, he manages to fell for, he cuts him in the face, he runs him through with the sword. And I didn't realize at this point that <clears throat> the relationship between Thor and Lady Sif, they were they were betrothed and you know they were in, they were involved with each other. Shaking I didn't yeah, I didn't really even know that they were a thing, but uh, yeah, while Thor was playing Donald Blake, the civilian identity of Sif was his cousin Sybil. So like, yeah, that's that was kind of, awkward. That was kind of unseemly as well. So, <laughs> living together. Yeah, exactly. So, and there's one bed, and I don't sleep on the couch. Uh, <laughs> she, she's like my like fifth cousin. It's totally cool. Distant cousins. Yes. Um. So there was a lot of stuff about that. Again, I really don't take a loving to a lot of uber religious themed stuff and a lot of this was like this guy punched a priest now we're gonna this thing and that thing and it was just uh, there's a lot about this that just did absolutely did not work for me oh see Um, i thought it worked because of that (laughs) when he punched the priest i agree no 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 no, no, not the priest the the fact that the priest was trying to stop the crusader because he was like basically yeah he was christian extremism and yes, like, yeah, yeah. To take him out. So I was like, I, I again, I was kind of surprised by this because I was like, dude, in the eighties, they're just like going to be like, no, man, being a Christian extremist is kind of like that's a villain. 
Right, right. But you know what? That's a, that's a very look at that. Katie has a who, Katie has again turned me around. Yeah, <laughs> who'd have thought a priest could be a positive role model in these days? <laughs> right, exactly. And then he wasn't a Catholic priest, though, so it's okay. Um, <laughs> which, it's okay. I'm a Catholic. I can make Catholic jokes. It's it's like it's like being Jewish. I believe. So <laughs> I I got into it for the jokes. Wasn't that the old Seinfeld episode? Well, I would say to that point, this was about a faith based issue because you saw right. the Crusader as his faith was strong, where Thor's resolve was weakened, he was distracted, didn't know what to deal with. He was actually uncomfortable with having followers, because that was something that the Asgardians hadn't dealt with in many years. They actually right. referred to that with, with Zeus, like, we don't deal with the humans anymore. We yeah, don't rely right. on their faith to... Yeah. So that was well, an interesting, like, kind well, of, of, like, faith. Out of the human game. Yeah, Thor could be wounded because he was not fully informed where the Crusader was strongest when he was full of resolve, where people started actually turning right. against him, where you kind of felt like his resolve changed. So I actually right. thought there was a message here. It was kind of clunky, but still, once again, right. we, we're seeing a continual, like, 24 pages to tell a story. Can you do right. it well or badly? Absolute favorite part. I'm giving bonus points for the fact that the Crusader throws a bum drum. Uh, which anybody who's watched the Rocky movies know that that is, uh, that is simply an oil can that bumps stand around to warm themselves because there's fire in it. But Thor picks it up and, throw, and, and, and he says it while he's doing it, throws it into Lake Michigan. I love it. Thor polluting our Great Lakes. I love it. Thank you very much, Thor. Oh, well, no, I, I love the part where Odin tells Thor when he comes to him after he's nearly died that he's too busy to talk to him because he's working on the um, Asgardian remodel. He's refreshing. Oh. <laughs> I think that's that I think the that, part that I love. I think that's just the code that he's getting booty. But I mean, that was just my impression. I, I've got some remodeling to do, son. You know, you're, remodeling you're to do, that. Son. Exactly, exactly. It was funny though because it's like when I think of a, a a steel drum being used, it's like a video game trope that it's going to explode. Right. Yeah, right. that's what you do. That's how you can get the bad guy. Throw a drum not, at him. That when you can throw it in Lake Michigan and it's all good. Anyway, and that was from May 1983. So, and as Todd pointed out, this was before the uh, Walt Simonson uh, dynasty that was really the highlight of, of Thor yes. for a long time. Um, but what, one thing that was potentially not the highlight of this particular title, it was 1997's X-Men 346, written by Scott Lobdell, take with it as you will, uh, pencils by Joe Moderna and Rodney Ramos. So, uh, and Todd, you're going to, and this was fairly recent because 346, we're on 371. So this was just a handful of months ago that we, we talked about this. And again, when the covers come up, we just kind of riff on them in general. Um, this story had, I feel like, almost no X-Men in it. This was, uh, to me, yeah, this, this and one of them was a, was a super aside where you saw Gambit on some, either he was on a weird distant island or he was on an alien planet. I didn't exactly get a super vibe in, Yeah, the X-Men always would go off on, like, space missions. So that was a right. sidebar to let you know, hey, Gamut's doing right. something. We'll turn right. back in next episode because we're probably going to talk about that. Right, exactly. Was that a zebra that was in the reflection? I think that might have been, like, one of the horse aliens in Marvel at one it, point. Uh, it was, it was uh, like a it giant was a, zebra. I was going to ask you guys zebra. what that was. <laughs> it was the, it was at the fruit stripe zebra, maybe? Maybe. Just put space in front of it and it space anything. And it qualifies. But I love this. This story started out with uh, the bustling bullpen of the Daily Bugle with uh, J. Jonah Jameson running down the story about this controversial killing of this uh, Todd. And, and, and again, I, I my, my head is full of it was He was a, a, an anti-mutant activist. 
uh, was it Graydon Creed who was or he was killed by anti mutant? It was, was actually a presidential candidate, and he was actually uh, related to Robert. Ke- was it a Robert Kelly kind of thing? No, he was related to Sabretooth. Oh, son, Sabretooth's son, right? Oh, From that's residence. right. Okay, yes. okay. Okay, so yeah, but J. Joe and Jameson's running through and saying, we got to cover this part of it, and, you know, Ben Yurick do this, and he's throwing off names of, you know, Daily Bugle people who you know from reading Spider-Man. And then in the end, uh, he's approached by the shadowy figure who says, you know, I've got all the dirt you need. This is everything you've got that I want you to print in your newspaper. And Jameson burns it and says, you know what? Uh, I'm a reporter. I've been a reporter my whole life. Somebody said, I kind of walk in here and hand me a story that's of clear bias with no reference and 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 nothing i you know the, the power of print is the power of truth it's an awesome responsibility and i'm going to find out everything i need to know but i'm not going to get it from you as a journalist i love that because that was that was how i got my start i was a journalist from the time i was in junior high and i love j jonah jameson as flawed as a character as he was but what a weird place to have a story like this and of course spider-man is in it and he's uh, trying to save uh, Henry Peter Gyrich, who was originally an Avengers character, but he's this mutant crusader, and he's fighting the character of Marrow, and then Callista, Callisto, not Callisto, that's not Callista Flockhart, no, no yeah. not Ali McGill. It, it was the Morlocks because I remember from the uh, what the hell was that uh, the, the the Morlock thing in the eighties? What was it in the X Men? Yeah, Extinction Agenda, where basically no, 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 no uh, it, was before, it was before that. It was before. Oh, oh! Um, the Morlocks, where they killed all the Morlocks in the caves, and Archangel was lost his wings. Yeah, yeah Angel, Angel lost wings became. Yeah, so it was the whatever, whatever that was. Yeah, and then Storm had to fight Callisto in a knife fight and became the. Leader oh no, that was well before that. Yeah, uh, there was. Yeah, yeah there was, that was long before that. There was yeah, the Morlocks are just basically the mutants have lived underground who right. try to escape, try to live peacefully, and that that Callisto right. was one of them. She was the leader of the the brother the Morlocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, there you and go. then uh, Mero is was one of the next generation of mutant characters where she could take bones out of her system, and she essentially was a mutant that could blend in, and that was the theme right. of this talking about right. like Spidey is essentially could be a mutant because he was mutated. Right. Uh, he can blend in because he can, that, there was a lot of narrative about that, which I think was right. really good. I thought this was, I thought this was really superior. And again, you know, my, my following of the X-Men kind of ended with, with the, you know, the 17 year run of Claremont. I think I've read them all. I'm pretty close anyway. Uh, I probably should finish that at one point. So, But I probably wrapped up in the early 200s, so this is way, way past that for me. But, mm-hmm. Todd, this is when we were in college, so you probably picked this up, you know, off the stand. Yeah. Um, uh, um, Joe Mad, as we would call him, was a great artist. He kind of brought the anime manga feel to the X-Men at the time. It was a really uh, fresh breath in the way the X-Men were created after Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri, that group, John Romita Jr. I loved this, this the title, I thought, at the time. Scott Lobdell's, his his writing is so so sometimes, but yeah. I like this one because, once again, they were doing something different, uh, focusing on more of like Spidey being kind of the, the, the if you're new to the X-Men, and you have Spidey to guide you to kind of bring you in. Right. But but it was also part of a storyline called Operation Zero Tolerance where Bastion, who's the character behind the scenes, he's basically acting as like a government representative, but essentially is a, uh, a hybrid uh, sentinel that actually is human and a sentinel from the future to kill all the mutants right. and he's in disguise. And that's why you saw those 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 bodyguards essentially right, right, right. They're activated. They're hu- basically sleeper agents who didn't even know they were sleeper agents who were activated when they were on mutants become 
Sentinels, and Nimrod was the first one introduced right. in episode yeah, yeah. issue one ninety ish. Going back yeah, to because yeah. I'm a huge yeah, yeah. mutant stand, but this yeah. is kind of bringing it in, and this was the second series. So I like the fact that it was truly Bastion trying to use the media and things like that to out the mutants. And right. So I, I like this as a standalone episode, but I get it; it's a lot to handle in one yeah. issue. But once again, it's the most modern comic we did, and it's still 25 years old. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it did, and just based on our own numbering. So I think this really did a nice job of, again, embracing the familiar with the Spider-Man parts of it. So, again, it was a little more accessible to the rank and file, uh, and me in particular being a Spider-Man guy. So, yeah, so I like that. Katie, your thoughts? Um, I think that it worked really well in kind of the the way that they use the Spider-Man Marrow fight to work as kind mm-hmm. of a shoulder angels to the discussion that Jameson was having with Bishop, where mm-hmm. it was kind of Spider-Man fighting for, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Like he literally says that to Marrow at one point yep. and she's saying, no, you know, you just you we have been, you know, persecuted. We have had, you know, all of these issues. We need to do whatever we can to get ahead. And then Bishop is handing, you know, Jameson a CD um, with all of the identities of all of the no mutants and saying, yep. Here, this is everything you want. Because, you know, in the beginning of the issue, Jameson had gone off a rant about how you know every mutant should be able, or shouldn't be able to hide if they mm-hmm. can blend in. So obviously that's something that he wants to do. He wants to demask them. And you end up having it ultimately where Jameson's saying, absolutely no. You know, I know that you are the bigger story because basically Bishop was just trying to tempt him because he knows he's getting to it. So he says, no, I'm not going to do this. And so I thought the the parallels there were really nice as far as the beats went that were back and forth. Um, I'm going to be honest, uh, Moderna's writing or Medea's writing is, it's, or his art is a little jarring for me it's a little chaotic at times yeah i don't especially the way that he draws women was very like off-putting um super 90s <laughs> yeah super i would 90s. say manga cheesecake because manga if you look at a lot of manga it's the same way it's oh, very yeah. cheesecake very yeah. like exaggerated you know things being highlighted and yeah. if you're watching the youtube you could see me be like very sexualized right now which <laughs> nobody wants for but right. there it is <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I thought this was a really great end cap for, uh, for the five that we're reading. And it made me realize that I just like Marvel stories better. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we, we were bookmarked with probably the, the best of in the middle was right. just a mix of uh, a right. hybrid sandwich of... <laughs> a hybrid sandwich of meh. Exactly. Oh or, 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 yeah. Pick <laughs> well, your uh, discretion. Pick your mood. Well, this was great. And this is, I would say, we should do something like this. I would even say quarterly. I think we could really nail it. The three of us get together, read five random issues. Mm-hmm. I'm totally on board. I'm totally on board. This is good stuff. This was a good idea. Todd is the idea man. I'm the I'm the idiot when it comes to I'm the I'm the talent. I'm the, always the looking for new ideas for topics. So Katie, if you have any <laughs> ideas of like topics we should capture when you're on the show, oh no, I just open. show up. It's like low pressure. I just have to prepare. But you prepare well, though. I appreciate it. You prepare well. Definitely, definitely bring it. And with that, we bring this fun little tale to a close. Uh, Friends, uh, as always, thank you for joining us. Katie, where do people find you out there in? The socials. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, QTGeek. That's Q underscore T Geek. And I am on Instagram at K Photoscape. 
Excellent. And as always, you can find me uh, over on Twitter at the C3. Spell that out. The wife and I also run the Michigan chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club, the USS Grand Petoskey. Find us on all socials and on our website of the same name. We're always looking for a few good trekkers. So, Todd, what about you? You can follow me at Tiaxtra, where I'm always raging against the machine, having fun on the video games at Spartion 98, uh, Spartion 1998 on the various uh, video game consoles, and have a good time and talking about video games once every other week on co-op mode, so find us there. So that is it, Charlie. We are done for the show. I'm glad we had a good time. Katie, thank you again. It's always a pleasure. We'll see you again in a couple weeks uh, for probably something very fun and enjoyable. Maybe Doctor Strange, perhaps. Ooh, yes. So strange. Don't forget, of course, you can catch Katie and myself talking about Star Trek bi-weekly over on the Code 47 podcast on this very network. Plug, plug, plug. Uh, but friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. You can keep us sleazy. Be the hero, not the villain. In a truck. Gotta go fast. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.